Okay, everybody. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Painter Man. I am your host, Sam Spano. Recording this on Wednesday, April 13th at 4.30 p.m. I don't know why you need to know that, but you do. It's because I obsessively keep track of these things. And I'm trying different times to record the show. I used to record it very late at night, usually intoxicated, and I don't want to do that anymore, because I'm trying to be, trying to come at you with clarity, I'm trying to come at you with, with something to say, unfiltered, straight from the heart. Behind me. From the soundtrack to the 1969 Italian art flick, Camille 2000. The legendary Italian composer, Piero Piccioni. And this is a classic soundtrack in my book. It's a classic constant in this painting studio. I want to live... I want to live in this swanky of the world. What happened? What happened to to swank? What happened to being cool? Mm. All right, all right. We are. So yeah, I'm I'm, re- I'm uh, recording this in the afternoon, which is totally weird. And I also. Wait, wait, wait for it. There we go. It's the end. Uh, I also have this new little recording device with all my music loaded up, and I just hit a button like this. Instead of usually editing the show in GarageBand, which I used to do and I didn't like doing, this is recorded live to tape. This is straight. This is happening live now. I'm running a board. And uh, I was also considering maybe not uh, having the loop bed behind me throughout the whole episode. But it just sounds so nice. It really does just get me in the mood. Maybe I'll turn it off at some point. Let me know in the comments. So, welcome back. Another day. Another another episode. Season 2, episode 2. What was I talking about? On the last episode, I was talking about... Uh, I was talking about I took a break from painting. I didn't, take, I didn't take an intentional break. I just was very busy. But you know, even when you're not working, you're always working. And if you're doing something else, it is, it's leading into what you're going to do when you're an artist. And if you're a creative thinker, you know, it's like uh, that time Kanye said, everything in the world is exactly the same. This, artistically, is a very true statement. It's a type of zen pure artist's mind statement that he makes from time to time. 
it all flows into each other. It's all leading you to your next big idea. So yeah, I was uh, working two jobs, doing some personal stuff, and just uh, wasn't painting as regularly as I wanted. But I think that time is working its magic on, on you. Whenever, you. whenever one of us has those moments. You know, I saw, uh, I saw yesterday a video of David Lynch. Because there was a rumor online that he was, he was premiering a new movie at Cannes, which turned out to be false. He's not working on anything. Twin Peaks The Return is probably the last thing he'll do. But someone posted a video from like 2006 of him working on music inside of a mud cave. And the interviewer asked him when he was going to make a new movie. And he also had a very similar answer. That uh, it's everything in the world is exactly the same. He's concentrating on his music. He's experimenting in new ways. But that doesn't mean that he's not thinking about his movies. He said he was just waiting for the idea to come. The important thing is to keep moving. To keep flexing the creative muscle. You gotta be attuned to the flow though. You gotta flex the muscle and let it flow like you're going down a river. Don't push too forcefully. So yeah, um, a few months ago I was trying to get back into things, or I was trying to excite myself. Um, trying to stimulate my creativity after not working so diligently and I started uh, being very interested in working with pastels again and that was partly inspired by um, the Los Angeles painter uh, Julian Nguyen who's he's a uh, young younger than me young painter but truly a, a modern master of, of classical and traditional forms but he makes also very exciting fresh seeming work but he, he uses very very traditional techniques and uh, I was very inspired by that he started doing some really amazing pastels um, and I wanted to try that I wanted to try his technique uh, I think he is far more skilled than me, but it's good. It's good to have people that you uh, that you feel are you're chasing a bit. Although and I'm not chasing him like that. Just very inspired by the work he was doing on a technical point, and I wanted to see if that would fit into my world. I had worked with pastels before, a um, long time ago, in undergrad. Like, jeez, uh, it's probably like uh, over 10 years ago. It was well over 10 years ago that I used pastels in a life drawing class. We did these very large scale pastel drawings of live models. It would take like two to three sessions with the model. I'm still really into a lot of those works. 
They were really exciting. Uh, pastel on black paper, giant, very giant. And anyways, uh, so I started doing these pastels on aluminum because I saw Julian uh, was working with aluminum, and I love it. It really, it really is terrific for that medium. And I feel very, I've, I've been doing it now for almost two months, I guess. Really though, like really concentrated for like a month and, and I feel energized again. That's why I'm here talking to you. Yeah, like I said, I was uh, just too busy, just too, especially when, you, when you're working too, too much and it leaves you mentally and physically drained, you just really, you, you don't have that same time to let things cook, to let things flow, like I said. And uh, not mentally able to be my artistic self. And that's bad because when I ignore my creative impulses, the energy comes out in nasty ways or I'm just like a blank person. I'm like uh, 10 to 20% less delightful to be around. So I gotta be working. I gotta always be creative to feel energized. Truly gives me energy. Confidence is better all that stuff so there you go if you're out there and you're struggling with creativity try to locate the feeling it gives you and remember why that's important to you and maybe why that's important to others around you how are we feeling about the music still I wish I could take calls I would love to just be able to take calls Maybe. Maybe we'll do a call-in episode at one time. I could, like, set up a number and a time, and we could do something like that. Anyways, in stumbling for the right subject matter, while I was working on these pastels, because I, I, I was thinking of them as individual pieces, for sure, but... You always, for me, I'm always considering what could end up being the the big oil painting. That's still like, for me, the the final form things need to take, or uh, that's just also what I what I want to do the most. I do want to get back to oil painting very soon. I've applied for some things uh, that might maybe pan out that I might have an excuse to. So we'll see about that, but stumbling for the right subject matter, stumbling through my own psyche, I decided to turn back to mythology. I had dabbled in using mythology as a basis uh, for work before, using fables and things of that nature. I had a show in San Francisco that was sort of loosely based on the story of Orpheus and Eurydice. It's told through the dream of a sleeping dog. And I like that. I like using mythology because it really allows you to transpose the stories in that way. You can you can make them personal. You can retell them. 
in a modern way or in a unique way, but their familiarity, the way that they're in our universal consciousness, it, it kind of makes them resonate outside of your own personal meaning. And I also just find it very stimulating as pure image making. And my primary job is to make interesting pictures. That's what we want. At that, I, that? I was very inspired by um, what's it called? Uh, John John Cocteau's Orpheus, which told the story through a contemporary lens of 1950s Paris, but it was basically the Orpheus story. So that that was then. But yeah, so I'm going through, uh, I'm going through things, working through things, and uh, I stumbled on the story, the tale of the golden ass, because I was looking up the story of Cupid and Psyche, because I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about those those words, the relationship between those words, between love and the psyche. And that myth is told in the story of the Golden Ass, which is really called the Metamorphosis of Apuleius. And it's structured in a way of having a bunch of inset stories within the main narrative of this donkey. This guy, this man who is trying to transform himself into a bird. And he accidentally transforms himself into an ass, into a donkey. The only way back to his human form would be to eat a fresh rose. Along the way, he encounters many people who try to do him harm. They try to kidnap him as a donkey. He eats poisonous roses. And he's just trying to get back to, to being a man. So, metaphorically, I think we, we get this, right? And, and before you even ask, yes, I'm the donkey. Um, so I was mostly just, I was very struck by that, that one image of the donkey eating the roses. So that, uh, I did a few of those on pastels on aluminum. I know some people had some uh, questions about that donkey. That's where it comes from. And no, I haven't read, I have not read The Metamorphosis of Apuleius. I just read the Wikipedia of these things. I, uh, Orpheus and Eurydice, I, I read a little bit more. I have that, that Anne Hamilton mythology book. Yeah, that one was easier to dig into, and that's a, a very familiar story anyways but uh no I, I haven't read the golden ass I don't, I don't know that i'm gonna do a whole series based on that if i if i decide to really go with that more maybe i'll read it i'm sure i should read it there's probably some wonderful more wonderful images i should maybe just tell the whole story illustrate the whole story let me know 
Uh, oh, well, this this is good. This is actually this leads us into listener questions, some listener feedback based on the last episode. Again, if you ever want to reach out, contact me, DM me on Instagram, sam.spano. Maybe your question will make it to the air. Can't turn it off. It's just, it's so groovy. Anyways, question number one. What fantasy books or movies do you like? Your work has that vibe. Mm. I don't. I don't really like that stuff, to be honest. I never watch or read that kind of stuff at all. So it is odd that my art sometimes crosses over with that kind of work. I know. I have never seen The Lord of the Rings or read the books. The Hobbit? No. Game of Thrones? No. Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Never read it. Harry Potter? Never seen it. I read the first two books when they came out, and then I grew up. Uh, uh, what's some other fantasy stuff? Star Wars? I saw the original once a long time ago. Star Trek? No. I know that's that's like science fiction. I don't really dabble much in that either. More. I mean, I, I'm open to like anything. If it's very good, I'll probably like it. But fantasy stuff off the bat is like super off-putting to me. Pan's Labyrinth? Nope. Dexter's Laboratory? Yes. <laughs> that's not related. But uh, no, I, I, I don't know. Um, if I'm being a hundred percent honest, the only movies I've ever seen are are all the Adam Sandler movies and Jean Cocteau's Orpheus. I've never seen any other movie. And the only books I read are by like Philip Roth and other old Jewish guys, so can't really say. Can't really say. I'm just joking. I I can't really say where this fantasy element comes from in my painting. I used to really like the never-ending story when I was a kid. It, like, emotionally scarred me, to be completely honest. The scene where the horse is sinking in the quicksand. That, like, made me cry. Like, that was was a lot. I kind of... Maybe that's it. You know, I, I watched that movie a lot. That's pretty fantastical. I think I have imagery that kind of crosses over with that. I think anything that makes that much of an emotional imprint on you at a young age is bound to surface. Right? Like the first time you remember crying at, at a movie. Being manipulated by watching this horse drown. <laughs> So yeah, uh, what were we talking about? Fantasy? Yeah, I'm not big into it as a... When it's depicted in the quote-unquote fantasy genre with like dragons and maidens and knights and elves, it's like not... That's not really my thing. But I know sometimes my work maybe seems like that. 
Orpheus the movie was so cool because it's just like it's in the 50s it's very you know at the time it was very contemporary he's getting communications from the underworld on his car radio I, I like that like I like I like the idea of fantastical elements and strangeness and dream worlds, things that are dreamlike. But I, I, I guess it's just things that are like too middle agey. Just like it looks very, like literally cold to me, cold and wet, and just like, nah, nah I'm good. Maybe you could change my mind. Next question. This comes from fellow painter Alex out there in San Francisco. So you think that displaying your sensitivity isn't cool? Tell me more. Uh, I'm sort of being sarcastic when I said that last episode. Um, I think it's cool. I, I can't do anything but be incredibly sensitive. I've tried many times not to be, but I am. Um, I think what I meant was, you know, coolness. Coolness. It implies a certain emotional distance. You know, so if your love, if your work or you are, very, you know, if your work is very emotional and sensitive and, and tender. That's literally not cool, but it's also not cool in the hip or trendy way I, I meant in terms of the larger art world. I was kind of thinking about more like when I was in grad school, the ways people would justify their work or the ways people would talk around their work by framing it in very specific issues or agendas. And if your work was just very internal or emotional or subconsciously inspired that like didn't fly that like wasn't good enough and um I, it just like wasn't cool to talk talk about pure emotionality i think that's what i meant that i know that's what i meant and then there's like like i said there's this it's so it's less and less, but there's a little bit of a stigma of emotional men, men not being able to display their emotions. And if you know me, you know I have zero problem doing that. Lately, my emotions are like right at the surface. But uh, I, I was, uh, you know, when I was a little kid, I, w I was a very easy crier. Um, drove my dad nuts and I've tried to shed that throughout my life and to control that and then there are just times that you are you're very raw you're so emotionally raw something just rips you right open and uh, you're right back in that place the little boy <laughs> the little boy crying uh, you know, it's the price you gotta pay sometimes and make some goddamn art, right? I don't think I, I want to make anything if that, that's not who I was. 
just try to keep it under control. You know, the other thing, I'm around, I'm around teenagers all day with my day job, and sometimes like that moodiness, that teen angst kind of rubs off on you. I find myself lately when I like leave the place, like I gotta, I gotta shed that. You gotta like, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's good to remind yourself though of of that teen, teen energy, because that's kind of where the, the place where the, your first artistic impulses arise for me, or that's like the time when I like really decided that I was an artist and that I was going to be an artist. I was convinced there was no other option. That's just what it was. That's just what it was going to be. You know, so it's good to, so, you know, I see that every day and sometimes it makes me sad. Sometimes it makes me like the energy's good. They're not cynical. They're so... They're so pure and still excited, but then sometimes you see a kid who's like already like way too jaded or, or just like very sad or having a problem and, and it's just making me very sensitive lately. Um, in a good way. It's uh it's very good. Again, I mean speaking of emotion, um I thought I was, I thought I was, uh, done, or not done, I just thought I was kind of like, uh, Andy Warhol, what, what, uh, what else can you say about the guy, that Netflix documentary series on the Andy Warhol diaries, that thing killed me, that, that is really well done, I highly recommend that, um, the Andy Warhol diaries on Netflix, six parts, really, powerful and moving the way they did that they transcribe his diaries they use an ai to mimic his voice which is very warholian gesture very interesting move and um yeah it just seems like so much of his career and his life has been talked about but this this is a a lot of sides of him that you never see the actual personal life of andy um, who's so cold and removed, so cool, um, you see that he was a real human being. And it's very moving and touching. And inspiring. The guy, that guy, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. It's like right when you think you've just heard it all and seen it all, you just get amazed again at how many errors he's touched. He, I mean, you just can't escape him. And he's been involved in so many scenes that, you know, you ignore him at your own peril. So check that out. I gotta have a sip of water. Alright. Next question. Final question. comes from this comes from the past guest past guest my friend the artist Jennifer Sullivan it wasn't actually a question but she's very steeped in the work of Carl Jung and she DM'd me about last episode maybe the horse and the women and the women are a Jungian thing 
referring to the psychoanalyst Carl Jung's idea of the anima and the animus. He described that the animus is the unconscious masculine side of a woman, and the anima is the unconscious feminine side of a man, and they each transcend the personal psyche. I understand some of these terms may feel outdated to some listeners. Let me know your own thoughts. I relate to this idea personally. Um, and I would agree that this is very present in my painting. So I'm actually, I can't believe I didn't think of it last week because I used to be very interested in Young's work and have read a lot of it, took a class on it, but wasn't, yeah, I can't believe I didn't think of it. Because yeah, I, I, I actually do think that's what it is. I think it's present in most all of my work, not even the, the woman and the horse motif itself. You know, Jung thought the psyche was inherently androgynous. So regardless of what gender you are, um, on any given day, throughout life, we're always working to integrate all sides. That's really the, the main idea. And, uh, you know, these elements are intermingling. They're creating a bridge between the conscious and the unconscious and then a bridge between that and what he calls the collective unconscious. He talks about that with when he goes into his archetypes. And he describes the anima and the animus as like the image-making capacity that we have. That this is where we create from. This is where we communicate our inner world from. So it makes sense that this is where my art lives. I work very intuitively as I've talked about um, yeah that's a good one I'm gonna I'm gonna be thinking about that one more and more thinking about young again feeling young again <laughs> sorry all right wow wow 30 minutes have gone by already I just wanted to check in real quick. Like I said, uh, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. The next episode, very special, very special episode coming up. We're going to do another interview. An interview with a very dear friend of mine, a terrific painter out on the West Coast. And this is a little clue. She was my first radio sidekick when I lived out in San Francisco. So that should be a delight. I'm headed to Connecticut to begin a portrait of a friend. And then I'm going... To New York to see some friends, see some art. So uh, I'm sure we will talk about that soon. It'll be the first time in a very long time that I that I even do a portrait of someone in person. So that will be interesting. Typically, I work from photos. Even when I'm drawn or painted people I know, it's usually from photos. Recently, sometimes I mean I feel 
like uh, I'm going to forget how to draw when I work in front of someone. So this this will be um, this will be interesting. It usually turns out much better when you're in the room with someone. Ooh, I didn't mean to start. That's all right. There's a there's an intensity, there's an urgency to it that you don't get from photos. And then there's the issue nowadays, especially of photos. They they sometimes distort our how we look. One they distort, you know, especially if it's a selfie. There's like always a strange, unnatural angle, but it kind of is also just how we see people. Now, we see people through screens, right? More than, more than often than not. There we go. I want to attend with that. So, I'm sure I will have a lot to say about that. We're gonna have an interview. We're gonna have so much, so much coming up this season. It's all very, very exciting. And I thank you for being here. Questions, comments, concerns, hit me up. Instagram, sam.spano. Take care of yourselves. Get plenty of rest. This has been Painter Man.